Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Quarks and Conversation episodes. And don't forget our Words in Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to our Quarks in Conversation 2 episode with Elizabeth Breck. I know, I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Um, we talked with Elizabeth last season about her debut, and we just didn't, it wasn't enough time with her. We could just couldn't get enough of her, so she's back. Yes, and not to mention, she has a new book out now called Double Take. So good. Very nice cover. I'm kind of like matching it. Actually, we're all kind of... Okay. We all, yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you if you look on YouTube, you can see the reds, the blues, the pinks, the whites. Okay. Anyway, before we even get started, I'm going to remind you guys of her background. She is a state of California licensed private investigator. She had read um, Harriet the Spy twenty times by the time mm -hmm. she was nine. So it was no surprise when she grew up to become a PI. She has worked mainly in the field of insurance investigations, making her the, the real-life version of Sue Grafton's Kinsey Malone. Mm. In 2013, she decided to go back to school, earning a bachelor's degree in writing, summa cum laude. And um, that was from, and, uh, and that's from the University of California, San Diego. And then Anonymous, oh, do you have it out, Kathy? Anyway, I can get it off the shelf in a minute, but it came out to critical acclaim in 2020 and, and Double Take, that's the second one. So we got Anonymous and Double Take, yeah. both lovely looking covers and Double Take came out on October 12th. So it just came out. So she lives with her black Labrador named Hubert, who is her best friend. And we can see Hubert in the background on our on the, her screen. <laughs> so Elizabeth, it's so nice to talk to you again. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And you're excited looking forward to your book coming out. I am. <laughs> I very much am. I have, especially since um, some things have opened up in California. So I'm actually getting to do some live book events. Oh, good. Um, anybody in Southern California, check out my website, elizabethbreck.com under the events tab. And I'm doing four live in-person book events. Oh yeah. Signing books and answering questions and all kinds of stuff. So Elizabeth, these are your first in-person events. Yeah, the, it is my first in-person events because uh, of course my first book anonymous came out in November, 2020. So we were still just smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. No, you know, we didn't have the vaccine. Um, so we really couldn't do any events. So they were all virtual. So right. now we can, we can do some in-person with masks and hopefully vaccinated. Yeah. So fingers crossed. So I yeah. guess you won't probably, you know, be drinking wine like we are today. So yeah. Well, cheers. Kathy, to you want to tell us a little bit about the wine? Second? I will. I will. Because well, I just want to drink. I chose a Pinot Grigio today. Um, it's called Art of Earth. It's an organic Pinot Grigio from Italy. And it's it's very nice. It's it's very drinkable. <laughs> which is what we like. And it's, it's a little a tart. Price point. Yeah, it's it's um like mine was 12 bucks. And it does say it's an easy drinking crisp. 
Pinot Grigio that pairs with most anything, which I agree with, but I'm going to read you the tasting notes. I think they're a little bit over the top. Okay. Just in my humble opinion, fruity aromas of apples and cream, glazed apricot tart, fruit cup, and coconut brittle with a silky crisp, dryish light body and a seamless crisp buttered toast, sliced onions, and cashew finish. How many foods can you get into one tasting note? Coconut and coconut brittle and toasted something. (laughs) Just toast. Crispy butter toast. Coconut brittle, buttered toast, sliced lemons, and cashews. (laughs) No. It's crazy. (laughs) I I taste the apple. How's that? (laughs) I will go with it's a nice, easy thing to drink. But I just, when I saw that, I was like, okay. Like kitchen. Right. I know. I know. Okay. So let's get into our questions. All right. Yes. So first and foremost, we want you to tell us a little bit about what your year has been like after your debut novel, mm-hmm. Anonymous, came out. Because, you know, we know it's much different than if it was, you know, pre pandemic. But how did you handle prom- promotion, writing, editing in the next book, et cetera? Yeah. So um, I'm trying now to remember, isn't it weird? Like when someone says it's been 18 or 19 months of the pandemic, you think what? I know. Like uh, it is unbelievable. I mean, it seems kind of like it's been a year, but, but not even, but then not even that. And so, so it's hard for me to, cause I know when anonymous came out, I think I had finished double take. I think I had already finished it um, and I had sent it, I'm pretty sure, to my editor. Yeah, because when I was doing these virtual book events and I was doing virtual book clubs with people and they'd, I'd, they'd ask me about the, the book, I had double taken my head. <laughs> I had just been working on it. So I would almost say things that were in double take because I was getting confused because it was the one that was just in, you know, it had been a while since I had read uh, anonymous. So uh, yeah, so I've been, so then of course there's the whole editing process with um, you know, books that you go through because you go through the editor with your editor and then you've got the copy editor and that goes back and forth two or three or four times. So it's really true. By the time you're done, you're like, I don't ever want to read this book again. Um, <laughs> but I want you to. <laughs> yeah, I want you to read it. You'll love it. But I don't yeah. want to read it again. Mostly because uh, it's not that I don't mind reading it. It's that um, it's very exhausting to read something so closely where you're looking for uh, a typo, you know, a transposed letters or Uh, something should have been a semicolon and it's a comma, you know, it's like, it's exhausting uh, Mm -hmm. to read something that closely when you're just reading it for fun. It's just like, scoop it up. I mean, right. I, we've discussed, I have a very methodical way of writing and (laughs) my, my first draft is an Excel document where all the scenes are written out. And I do that so that I can keep the reader not wanting to put the book down. So, you know, I'll 
going, you know, going down scene, 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 scene. And then I'll be like, nothing exciting has happened. Let me put something really exciting right here. Or I'll be, you know, have written out that whole first document and then I'll go, this scene will be much better up here because, you know, so I write so that you guys do not want to put the book down and you want to just, and it works. (laughs) Glad to hear it. Yeah. And I was worried because, and, and then now I'm not worried because I've heard from a lot of people that it was, it was good, but, um, double take is different from anonymous in that it's more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, double take, you know, like you want to keep reading cause you're, you're into it, but anonymous is like, you're on the edge of your seat the whole time. I feel like, but right. there's take, more like danger versus I want to know what's going to happen. Exactly. So they're both, they want, you want to keep reading, but they're just very different in, in, mm-hmm. you know, how it worked and whether I did that on purpose, uh, not really. No, it's just the way it worked out. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, because often we see similarities between, or at least I do, between like Sue Grafton's books and and how your books are going and, you know, with the main character and stuff. And now I'm trying to remember back, Kathy's read a lot of Sue Grafton as well. I've read all of them. Did they, did she have that sort of, some books were danger and some books were more like what's going to happen or? I think most of her books were kind of what's going to happen. There, right. you know, mm-hmm. she didn't really, she wrote, in my opinion, classic mysteries right. that are more like Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. And um, I started writing this w- that way, but I discovered pretty quickly that we're in a time period where people like thrillers. They just right. really like thrillers. So mm-hmm. I have, a cl- I write, in my opinion, classic mysteries with thriller elements. So I call them thrilling mysteries. Yes. You know, because I like the analytical process of a mystery Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, is okay. So then that happened as a reader, you know, Mm -hmm. so that happened. Well, does that mean that, that that's the guy or did, you know, and you're putting the clues together. Like to me, that's a classic mystery. Whereas a thriller is like, you know, somebody's hanging off the edge of a building and there there's bombs going off or, and I, I like classic mysteries better in just for me, but mm-hmm. I throw those thriller aspects in so that I can have and my readers enjoy them when they like thrillers too. Right. I like how you said thrilling mystery. Thrilling mystery. I, I've always, my book is sort of the same way, you know? And so when I was like getting ready to query and stuff, I would just call it a mystery thriller, but I like thrilling mystery. Better. There you go. You can <laughs> <laughs> I I love that you're writing for your audience. You know what they want. And I think that one of the things that you did this time, and I was curious as an audience, as a reader of yours, I wanted to know more about Madison Kelly herself. And you went pretty deep in some relationship stuff and her health stuff came back. And I, I was, I was committed. Like I was in, so I love that you've got the thrilling and, but you also went in pretty deep and tight into her internal. Yeah. Thank you. And I think in a book club or something, no, it was a book club last time had said they wanted to know more about Madison. They felt like they didn't get enough about Madison Mm -hmm. and anonymous. And part of that is she is a bit of an enigma and I want her that way. Like I see mm-hmm. her as sort of a female version of, of Jack Reacher. 
in the mm-hmm. Lee Child books. Um, she's a loner. She's independent. She, you know, she's a little antisocial. Um, and so I don't, I want to leave some of the mystery there. Like I don't want everything out in the open, but at the same time, I always have a personal arc for her, for the books. So there's the plot of the book. And then Mm -hmm. what is Madison's arc for this book? So there was one for anonymous. There was one for double take. And then there'll be one in the third book. There'll be a, a personal arc. And I don't know if other authors do that. I don't know. Well, some do apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah you do. I, think, I think they do to an, uh, some of them do to an extent. I mean, like you think about like um, Harry Bosch, you know, you're, yeah. you're kind of following right. in their life and they do yeah. something in there and there's a mystery and whatever, but then, you know, you're like, okay, he learned this about relationships or he. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, her, um, I don't want to give anything away, but um, if if readers have read the first one, you know that she deals with some <clears throat> cancer issues. Right. And I know you. we talked about you had a lot of readers that read for that reason. So they could, you know, a lot of them were identifying some pretty stealthy, cool stuff in a cancer survivor, right? I'm wondering, did you, how was it received on the, on the publishing end of things versus what the readers thought? Because I, I personally really liked reading about that intimate of a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, never heard a word. Literally never. Uh, I don't think the editor has ever commented at all. I mean, in the fur in anonymous, uh, you know, of course I, I got a two book deal. So that was the first time I started working with the editor at Crooked Lane. And she said, I'm trying to think she wanted more words. It wasn't long enough. And she said she wanted to more Madison. She wanted to have mm-hmm. more Madison. So I, I wrote a lot more about her in that. And then when it came back, it was like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And I included in, in anonymous. And I don't think I'm going to give anything away if I, I don't think it, it's, I've talked about it a lot, so I don't think I'm giving anything away, but um, in anonymous while, while she's doing surveillance, she recalls a visit to the cancer center. And I added that after the editor said, I want more Madison. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I had already written it because in my, uh, at UCSD, UC San Diego in the writing program, because I got a degree in writing, I had several different kinds of writing classes. You have uh, fiction, you have nonfiction, you have travel writing, you have science writing. And for travel writing, for each class, you have to write two pages every week. Uh, It's a lot of writing. So for my travel writing class one week, I wrote about a trip to the cancer center. It's not far. It's it's in San Diego. And that section of the book is the two pages that I wrote. Wow. So everything in those, in that section really happened. That was me, um, except for a couple of exchanges, things said with the doctor. I, I invented that. Um, But the people that she sees in the cancer center and she's describing that actually happened. Those are really real people that I saw. Wow. I mean, almost word for word, the paper I turned in that week. Wow. Yeah. Well, that worked good out thing well. 
Yeah. Kept your homework. That's yeah. <laughs> and, and it did tell, it shows more about Madison. I was thinking the other day about um, first person and third person writing. Do you guys write in first or third? Third. I do both. Uh, I, I, I like, I can't do first. I don't have the skill set. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I started out with third, but then I switched to first because mine is a lot of YA, you know. So. Oh, okay. YA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually think it's, it's, it, in my opinion, it requires more skill to write in third person because <laughs> it, yeah, because you have to, as a narrator, be able to describe the feelings that somebody's having without being that person. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's actually, I mean, well, it's, there's hard. third person close, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> writing is hard altogether. Yeah. So it's yeah. easier or not, but, but yeah. in writing, I don't know why I just brought that up. Um, maybe the way you wrote it. Well, yeah. You know, yourself. while you think of why you brought it up, I, I just, before we get to our mid mid conversation question, I, you know, I was, Chrissy and I read, we read a lot of mysteries and we read a lot of thrillers. Every all, all writers do, but there's always a challenge. The protagonist always has a challenge with mystery and thrillers. There's a lot of alcohol abuse or maybe some past drug abuse or some, you know, some other issues. I just cannot recall ever seeing a protagonist deal with this intimate of a, of a cancer and have you have the author writing about it so vividly. And I just really want to give you applause for that. Cause I think it's. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I, I, I will take it because it's hard to write about, especially yeah. since it's, by the way, PS, it's me. I, I had mm -hmm. breast cancer. I had the same, everything that happened to Madison happened to me. Let's just say that. So um, there's so much written about going through the process of cancer, which hooray, it used to be, we couldn't even say the word breast cancer, right? right. You know, so I'm glad that we have that, but there isn't a lot talked about what happens when the cancer treatment's over and yeah. now you're going on with your life. Well, and trying to be intimate with somebody or uh, I don't know, trying to defend your life when you, you're also feeling that you're possibly your cancer might be back, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just so things. yeah, just little things. So yeah, I, uh, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Perfect segue. I don't know if you remember this, but you know, we always ask the question in the bottle, which is a question you might, you know, get to at the end of a bottle. And last year, Christy went and found the question we had last year for you. Oh my gosh. To make sure we didn't double up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask the same one because that might be funny. She might do a different answer I this year. I don't, know. I don't even remember what it was. So <laughs> we'll tell you after this. Okay. So um, this question is, what's your favorite smell? Wow. You know that that was like instantaneous. Like okay. you almost hadn't finished the L sound. Really? It, yeah. So I, it must, that's, this must be the answer. Lavender. Okay. Lavender. Very yeah. good. And if I had thought about it, I think I might've said vanilla, mm -hmm. but it was so instantaneous that that has to be my answer. Yeah. Another, of a, a, a friend's reference when Phoebe played that game of like, okay, what do you want to do this or this? And you have to answer really fast. I love friends mm -hmm. anyway. So yeah. I always have a friend's <laughs> reference. But, um, but yeah, so you asked me that and immediately I thought lavender and, and it's true. I have lavender, everything, lavender sprays, lavender smells, lavender oils everywhere. Well, that's okay, good because it's a very common. We're going to send you a link well. to an episode we recorded with Lisa Reagan a few weeks ago. Her entire office, the 
friend's wall purple, including the outdoor of the, the actual door. It's not a door. It's just in her wall. <laughs> it's okay. really cool. So there's another friends fanatic. Have not- lots of friends. Yes. Fans. Lisa, Lisa Reagan. She's a, another author. So if you ever yeah. run across her. Okay. Yeah. And also yeah. friends fan. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Okay. So you alluded to this earlier, Elizabeth, that you and I have a, a shared love affair of organization and planning and Excel spreadsheets. Yes. I did remember this last year. Um, and I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, so my question to you is how do you organize your editing? Organize it? Well, so the first draft in quotes is the Excel document mm-hmm. that has every character on one page every attribute, everything I've said about them, their addresses, what they're wearing, everything. So I never have to try and figure it out later, three, 250 pages in, what did I say her address was, you know? So, and then I've got the page that has every single scene on it. And then I'll have another scene that has like, for example, uh, a timeline, a specific timeline, if I need to know a specific timeline of something that happened. Um, And so when I'm editing that, I'm going through and reordering the scenes and going, and I'm f- literally figuring out what I know how many pages each scene will be. So I'm adding the scenes as I go. So I know by the end that I'll have enough pages, I'll have enough words in the book. So I know how many words a particular scene is going to take, I'll estimate. And so, and then I'll go, okay, I'm at page 50 and nothing exciting has happened. So the scene that I was going to put down here is now going up here. So I reorganized that whole thing. And it's really, it, it, it was from going to school and running my own business at the same time, trying to get straight A's, which I did, we know. So <laughs> I didn't have time to mess around. I can't write a whole section and then throw it out. I can't do it. I don't have time. So Mm -hmm. that's why I do that. So in such an orderly fashion. So then when it's all done and I know this is my book, this is exactly my book. Then I sit down and I write four to 5,000 words a day. Just next scene, next scene. Okay. So wait, you estimate how many pages or words? Words, words. Chapter will be words. Same thing though, because double spaced, 250 words per page. Yeah. Wow. That's really specific. It's really specific. Yes. Cause I want to make sure that I have a long enough book. You had to experience writing for a while before you could estimate that. Don't you? Uh, you know, it's funny. I made it to age 46 without a bachelor's degree. I, mm-hmm. you know, I had a successful business, didn't need to go to college. Okay. It helps that both my parents were had master's degrees and were teachers. So, you know, I didn't just come out of somewhere, you know, I, I was educated just from having my parents, but Mm -hmm. that college degree, that college degree in writing, it was invaluable and training, right? Oh, it was amazing. And especially having to work full time. So I knew that like, I have to turn in two pages every week to every class you know, there's more than one class. So, you know, I'm doing eight to 12 pages a week plus working. And so I know how many words are on a page because of that, 
you see, because I know mm -hmm. it has to be two pages. And so I know there's 250 words on one double space page. Mm -hmm. So that was my education. So then when I went, I would say the first book, I might not have been as accurate with estimating the words in the Excel document, but by double take, I was very accurate. Wow. Yeah. In, in estimating it. I just, this last weekend, I just took a class with KJ Howe on pacing and she talks about that, how she knows every scene, how long it's going to be. So it fits in with the pacing plan. That exactly. She exactly. I, well, that appealed to my, that appealed <laughs> to my soul. That's why I do it. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. I know. I, I do mean, it for that exact reason that I want the pacing to be good. And I want page one, the, the reader can't put it down after page one. Cause that's, that's me. I mean, I've well, that's, read, that's what you have to do, you know? Yeah, And I've read like 10,000 mysteries. I don't know. I literally mm -hmm. have no idea how many mysteries I've read, but when we used to have bookstores, no, we do. We have bookstores, <laughs> go to the bookstore. Um, I would go in at my favorite thing to go to the mystery aisle and mm -hmm. pick up a book and read the first page. And if it got me about the book, you know, that's so how it works, right? I yeah. know now as a writer, I have to do that. <laughs> You know, and then I make sure mm -hmm. five pages, 25 pages, 50 pages that there's something happening that the person's not going to want to put the book down. Yep. Um, but what that allows, because it sounds so clinical, uh, what that allows is I love to write lyrically. I love to mm -hmm. write beautiful, poetic sentences. Um, there's a sentence in this, in double take, that now I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't have it written down. But <laughs> Uh, we haven't said what the book is about. So why don't I do that oh, real yeah, quick? Yeah. And then that will, so Madison gets hired by the boyfriend of a young female journalist to find her because she's missing. She's been missing for five days. He feels like the police are blowing him off. They're like, dude, she's ghosting you. You know, girls sometimes don't want to talk to guys anymore. Get over it. And he's like, no, you don't understand. She's missing. So he hires Madison and she almost immediately identifies with the missing girl whose name is Barrett. Uh, you know, she's a journalist. She's driven in her career. She's independent. She's ambitious. She's a loner. And Madison, part of what she's thinking, and this was the lyrical part I was referencing, is who would look for me if I were lost? Mm -hmm. You see? And that's, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a poetic mm -hmm. question. So she as she is trying to find this girl, she realizes that she's been, Barrett, the journalist, was chasing the story of a lifetime. And it was the story that was going to break her career. I mean, break it out to make, make her right. famous. Yeah. And Madison has to walk in her footsteps to figure out what happened to her. But as she does that, is she walking into the thing that happened to Barrett? Right. So that's the story. And then that just brings us back to that lyrical thing of who would look for me if I were lost is yeah. I like to write lyrically, but I write thrilling mysteries and you, there's isn't a lot of time for beautiful sentences. We got to keep it going. We got to keep the pace going. We need exciting things happening. So doing the Excel document in the beginning allows me to make sure the mm -hmm. pacing is there make sure the exciting points are there so that when I sit down to write the scene, now I can just write pretty sentences. Yeah. 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 
you're just, yeah. I mean, the, this, this book, book is, is a perfect example, example of, of just because you're organized, I'm not sure what that was, just because you're organized <laughs> when you're planning like, does not mean it is a boring read by any means. Right. <laughs> Right. No, no. I mean, and that is a good way to write. If I could do it, I mean, I can do it on a small scale, but not the whole book. But when you know, like when I get to the end and I'm like, okay, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has to happen. So I do have sort of a plan. Yeah. Then it's much more fun because I know what's going and I don't have to think, oh, you know, but that's just not how I'm wired, you know, for the most part. I really loved how Madison was identifying herself in Barrett in this in this victim that she was looking for this missing yeah. one, but also was trying to step back. And I just thought that was such a real kind of push and pull where she was like completely identified and like, oh, wait, this is scary. I just thought that was right. good. And this was, by the way, this was a 24 hour read for me. Oh, for wow. Sure. Thank you. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. not because I was down to the wire. Because I wanted to. Yeah. My question is, you know, you mentioned you've got a third book. So I guess, Madison, we're going to learn more about Madison. So in the in the future, we've got more Madison? Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Madison is, uh, you know, she's, and, and you know, the, the cast of characters, it's the thing I like as a reader when you pick up the next book in a series and the same cast of characters are there, it's like mm-hmm. you find your friends, you know, oh, there's my friend, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's comforting, you mm-hmm. know, as a reader to see the same people. Right. So yes, the same people will be there. Great. So including uh, the surfing yeah. community. Yes. Right. Yes. And so um, this is something that I've been wondering, especially for people who are writing series like this, are you going to incorporate the pandemic in it at all in Good your question. series or, or do you think you should? You know what's funny is uh, I've looked on Twitter. So I'm on writing Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time on Twitter <laughs> and there's a lot of other authors on Twitter and I have seen almost universally, nobody wants to write about it. And I would have thought that there would have been some discussion or some, you know, well, on the other hand, but I haven't seen, I've seen just a couple people that said, well, I'm writing such and such and, you know, and it, it fits in my, in my subject matter or what have you, you know, but almost universally, I've seen nobody wants to write about it and I don't want to write about it. You know, it makes it, makes it so limited in time, but I got to tell you, I'm reading right now, um, Karen Slaughter's last book. Uh Uh-huh. And she incorporates it in there. Oh, she does? Yeah. And it was at a time I think is maybe pre-vaccination, mm-hmm. but had it had been going on for a while. So it was a parent and talking about going into the auditorium, the mass, you know, whatever. I was just surprised, but. Yeah. I mean, and it's weird because now we just, you know, what, we're 19 months or 18 months or something. And it's who thought it was going to go this long? Nobody right. thought it's become a part of our lives. I don't think it's ever going in my lifetime away. You mm-hmm. know, um, it might hopefully become like the flu, you know, right. where we can just be careful and, you know, not die of it. Um, but I just don't want to write about it. I don't want to yeah. live it. I don't want to live it. And I, I don't want to read about it. Mm-hmm. Right either. Yeah. And she really doesn't delve much into it. That was the thing. It was kind of like, you know, 
Because I feel like if you put if you if you put it in, you have to go all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, where's my mask? As someone's leaving the house, mm-hmm. um, right? You know, walking into a store. Oh, I forgot my mask. Um, yeah. Expressions on people's faces. You can't mm-hmm. see them because they have masks on, and you can't it, do. It stuff. is interesting. It is interesting reading, you know, a thriller like that with that in there because. It's just like a, it's just a little bit, you know, it's the same with technology as it comes along. You're like, right. Should I, you know, I wish I didn't have to, you know, have texting. Now I've got to have texting. I mean, look at Kinsey Milhone. I was just going to say, think if Sue Grafton had cell phones, like that would have just been. Well, yeah, she left Kinsey in the eighties. And Mm -hmm. for me as a private investigator, that was difficult for me to stick with her. So I stopped reading because. Mm -hmm everything's on computer now. So it was unrealistic to me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so much that it became not as fun to read for me. Right. Mm-hmm. What was fun is how realistic it was, but I could see a reader going, why is this book not mentioning, you know, the, the, the pandemic, mm-hmm. I could totally see that, but especially since it's like literally part of our lives and probably never going away. But I just, at right. this point, I don't want yeah. to. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. my editor will be like, where's the pandemic? It's a mask on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. You know, I have read one book that dealt with the pandemic. Daniel Silva's, he changed his entire last ending to the cellist oh. insurrection. Um, and he, there, I've actually read articles about the amount of feedback, pushback he's gotten from readers and how many really weird out of characteristic reviews and I and I don't know if it's like they didn't like it it sound he got a lot of low reviews and even though a seller for year you know for weeks and weeks and then probably still is on uh, number one the on New York Times bestseller list but there was a lot of people weighing in on the politics of how he wrote about January 6th oh and very yeah. yeah and so oh and I didn't even think of that you guys I know yeah. there's politics so you have to be to the pandemic I didn't yes. even mm-hmm. think of that yeah well, now I'm really not including it yeah <laughs> I don't need to well yeah yeah because he's you know he's my favorite favorite read and he he gets great reviews always number one and it just was really interesting to see this huge chunk of one stars on Amazon and the the wow. belief that it was the politics of it. And I just thought, yeah. oh, that's thing. Yeah. But another thing that I heard, and this relates to what you were talking about earlier, people are being more drawn to the traditional, more mystery, less mm-hmm. thriller, because, you know, hey, life's thrilling enough. I yeah. want an escape. <laughs> it's true. So that, that'll be good for uh, Madison Kelly, too, you know? Yeah. So, because I, you'll know, there's very, there's a little, a little bit because it's thrilling. Yeah, there, it is thrilling in parts. It's scary. But there's you know? very, very little blood and guts. Right. Violence. Mm-hmm. You, it's off the page. The violence is off the page for the most mm-hmm. part because I just, that to me makes a classic mystery. And um, I'm the same way. Like I, I have a, clearly, clearly I'm an A-type personality <laughs> and I don't need more stress from what I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This has been so fun. I'm, I'm thinking we could just keep doing this for the longest time, but Christy has a final question for you, yes. Elizabeth. And, and I'm going to, this is a little different because it's Corks in Conversation too. This question is, if you had to choose one of your characters to be your personal chef, who would you choose and why? 
<laughs> let's see <laughs> that's hilarious my personal <laughs> my personal chef elizabeth yeah. Breck's personal chef not madison's yeah. personal chef yeah. okay <laughs> this is so strange um <laughs> well probably dave because just to have him in the house that's what i was, I was thinking <laughs> Isn't there an obvious answer here? Yeah. I don't need to eat the food. <laughs> it's not about the food. Yeah, let's just, we can, yeah, we can order in. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. And for this the people who don't understand, uh, who haven't read my books, Dave is Madison's on-again, off-again surfer boyfriend. He has mm -hmm. two black belts, one in Kung Fu, one in karate. He's a champion surfer. He's in the Wind and Sea Surf Club, which is the surf club in La Jolla. And he is very handsome and he's as strong as Bam Bam. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important to Madison because Madison is almost six feet tall and he can pick her up. Wow. Yeah. So he's a, yeah, he wouldn't be a bad personal chef. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you could just make okay. me peanut So you mentioned sandwiches. you're on Twitter. How can your readers find you? What's the best way to reach so out to you? The best way is my website, elizabethbreck.com. There is a contact form on there and I answer right away because I get an email. Then it also has the little symbols for my social media. So you click on the symbol and it'll take you to the social media and it has links to buy the book. So you could buy the first book or the second book. And let me say, as of yesterday, they are doing a, a deal to help people catch up. So anonymous is a dollar ninety nine the ebook on on Amazon and on oh, Apple oh. Books. Awesome! Oh, that's a great deal. Yeah. So for a dollar ninety nine, you can catch up so that when Double Take is out and ready, which it should be by the time you're hearing this, then <laughs> <laughs> um, you will have been caught up. So, yay! Sounds great. Yes, and we'll have all the links on our website too to um, Elizabeth's website and everything. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Oh, it's been so great. I know. To I'm you glad again. we got to talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah. So I know you got a busy evening, but um, we really enjoyed you taking the time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. Congratulations on your success and cheers. Oh to yeah, you. Cheers. cheers. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen. On gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers.